0: Welcome to the Children's Book Podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm a teacher, a librarian, a writer, and a fan of kids. Do you ever find yourself getting lost thinking about the universe? I love thinking about the dust that makes up everything and everyone we know. I love thinking about my place in the universe and how very, very small it makes me feel. There's something oddly comforting about it. Today, I'm excited to bring to you an interview with Kirsten W. Larson, author of The Fire of Stars, The Life and Brilliance of the Woman Who Discovered What Stars Are Made Of, illustrated by Katherine Roy and published by Chronicle Books. But first, I need to tell you about the 12x12 Picture Book Writing Challenge. Everyone has a story to tell, but finding the voice for that story takes a storyteller, What better way to explore your voice and strengthen your writing skills than in community? And the community at 12x12, I think, is one of the best around. Picture book authors need to be prolific to get published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. With a private forum, monthly webinars, a thriving Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the support of a welcoming community of authors and illustrators while working toward their publishing goals. Registration is only open in January and February. Visit 12 by 12 challengecom slash winner for more information. That's the number 12... X, the number 12, challenge.com slash winner for more information. Today's book, The Fire of Stars, is a poetic picture book celebrating the life and scientific discoveries of the groundbreaking astronomer, Cecilia Payne. Let's dip into my conversation with Kirsten W. Larson. Ready? Here we go.
1: Hello, I'm Kirsten W. Larson. I am the author of The Fire of Stars, The Life and Brilliance of the Woman Who Discovered What Stars Are Made of, illustrated by the amazing Katherine Roy.
0: Kirsten, what's the W stand for?
1: Williams. Nice.
0: I I sign everything Matthew C. Winner. I'm, I'm a Christopher. Uh, and I, I put the C in there for, for balance as well. For some reason, my name looks balanced in my in my eyes when I put it in there.
1: Well, there was a very um, famous American Girl doll. In fact, the very first American Girl doll was Kirsten Larson. So mine is there so that I will not be confused with an American Girl doll. (laughs) I'm so glad I asked
0: you. I love that. Have you done a recording for teaching books yet? Because that is Uh, such a key thing to put. I was doing the recordings for them for a time. Anyway, anyway, love that. Uh, So who is or who was Cecilia Payne? Uh, And of course, I left a note there for you that I'm asking both how or why do we remember this individual, but also who was she? What was she like? You do do such a great job of, I think, portraying her in her wholeness throughout her life. So however you wanna answer that, who was Cecilia Payne?
1: So Cecilia Payne, um, who became Cecilia Payne-Gaposchkin when she got married several years later, was one of the earliest astrophysicists. So she discovered what stars are made of. So for um, most of the 19th century, people thought stars were probably made of exactly the same stuff as Earth in the same quantity. So they expected things like iron and a lot of oxygen. Um, and so everybody thought stars are probably just the same, but she, um, through her research discovered that stars are mostly hydrogen and helium, which are these gases, you know, kind of like stuff in the air that we can't really see. Um, and so it was a really revolutionary finding that sort of laid the groundwork for everything we know now and are still discovering about how stars are born where they get their energy how they die Um, so everything from black holes to supernovas um, all of these things are really um, grounded in some of her discoveries
0: i especially love i i just want to tell you that in your book the way you formatted it when Cecilia makes that discovery, you send the reader off with more questions. I love that the discovery ends by a world getting bigger and us asking more questions. I just, I thought that was a really uh, beautiful thing to model for the reader.
1: Well, and actually that brings me to the second part of your question. So the the thing that really intrigued me, I think, about um, Cecilia Payne is she was, from the time she was a little girl, in love with curiosity and that thrill of discovery. In fact, there's a really great quote um, from her, which is in the back matter. And she says, the reward of the young scientist is the emotional thrill of being the first person in the history of the world to see something or to understand something. And so, um, you know, as an author, when I see a quote like that, and and that is, that emotional thrill is something that she first experienced as a young girl. And that was really what she was chasing her entire life. And for me, um, that's what really connected me with her And convinced me that she is really, you know, aside from the sheer genius of her discoveries, this whole idea of being in love and with discovery is something I I had to write about.
0: I love, too, that as you were saying that quote, you looked up and looked right at me. That quote, that quote really put itself on your heart. It really looks like it stuck with you.
1: Well, um, so. I always think of myself as a very um, slow writer, and it takes me a long time for me to feel like my stories are just right, and they're really the story that I wanted to tell. And so For me, it's a really emotional journey and there's that same emotional thrill when I feel like I've finally gotten the story just right and it's exactly the story I wanted to tell in exactly the right way. So I think in a lot of ways um, I felt very connected to Cecilia Payne in that and it's sort of like I'm chasing that, that thrill of telling just the right story in the same way that she's chasing that thrill of discovery
0: that it's just it's so cool. I love that for you. Um so you mentioned a word earlier, uh astrophysicist and I wonder for our listeners that that maybe have not come across that word. I wonder what is an astrophysicist or what is astrophysics and what are we studying in astrophysics and maybe even more importantly is that something that people still study today? Maybe it's a profession that we've already <laughs> discovered all the things. What am I saying? stop me before I say anymore <laughs> so um astrophysics
1: is sort of um, new astronomy you can kind of think of it as new astronomy so since the beginning of time humans have stared up at the stars and the night sky and um, the moon and the sun and um, not that you should stare at the sun but um they have you know they've they've kind of tracked the motions of planets and stars and um, tried to predict their motions and and figure out their positions. So astrophysics started developing, um, you know, kind of the late 19th century, early um, 20th century. And it's basically using chemistry and physics to study the stars. So we're using new, new tools um, and we're applying sort of new dis- those new discoveries to science. So Cecilia was basically, Cecilia Payne was basically um, using new tools that worked with telescopes to figure out the chemistry of the stars. And that's um, not something that you could even do in the early 1800s.
0: So I I know that, <laughs> I know we follow each other on Instagram. So you're very aware that the format for the Fire of Stars, it kind of blew my mind a little bit in in a really beautiful way that you, you blended a lot of things, but you blended this beautiful poem about a star being born with the story, the poem of of Cecilia uh, being, being born, being, having her life existing in that way. Um, it, it just was a really wonderful and powerful format. And so I was just wondering for you if, if that is how you always conceived the story, if there was at some point, I know you said you were a slow writer, if there was just an aha, an unlock. Moment that worked um, because it it works it works really <laughs> really well it's beautiful.
1: Um, well, yes, I'm a very slow writer. So for um, the first couple of years, I was playing with the story. I was writing it very much as um, a traditional narrative format with Cecilia Payne as a little girl and growing up and. Um, becoming a scientist. And there, there was not this additional element of star formation um, as a sort of additional layer. And, um, you know, I always remind myself to sort of stay open and curious and um, just open to new things. And so I was talking with another writer, writer friend, we were working on something and she had a book coming out. It wasn't out yet, but she told me that she had described it as this is um, Hannah Holt who wrote The Diamond and the Boy. OK, so her book was not out yet, but she had pitched it as the story of her grandfather who learned how to make diamonds in the lab. And it was also the story of how diamonds form and the way that she had originally conceived it she had conceived it as her grandfather's story going forward then you could turn the book over and flip it and you could read the diamond story backwards towards the middle and there was going to be this shared line of text in the middle that applied to both stories now if you've read the diamond and the boy that's actually not how the book is they for whatever reason, they made other choices and didn't decide to tell the story that way in the end. But I think what really stuck with me um, when I was talking about it with Hannah was this idea of a human and an object they're connected to and that shared line of text. So I sort of set out um, a challenge for myself and I said, ooh, wouldn't it be neat if I could tell the story of star formation and Cecilia's formation as a scientist on every single page with a single linking line of text that would apply to both stories at the same time. Um, so it was really just in conversation with, you know, other, other writers and keeping myself open to a better way of telling the story um, that I kind of came across that aha moment. And then when I sort of set that goal for myself and I tried it, um, it was, (laughs) it was very difficult. And I thought, what have I gotten myself into? You know, I really just, you know, there were points where I'm like, I can't do this. This isn't going to work. Like, there's no way I can come up with a shared line of text that unites these two stories on each and every, spread. Um, and I really did want to give up and it was only through encouragement of, you know, people in my writing community that I was able to finally, finally do it because it was, it was really difficult. And I, um, (laughs) tried to get out of it after I said I was going to do it that way.
0: (laughs) Well, it really is for me, what makes the book. I'm glad that you pushed yourself, that you challenged, that you persevered, um, and also that you and, I guess, your editor and whome- the team on this book, that you so thoughtfully preserved everything in the back matter that not only do we read this story that blends these two poems, because certainly your text about Cecilia's life is very poetic, but then you also have both a timeline of Cecilia's life and a, and a, a sort of a timeline of the poem um with that accompanying text. there's there's so much there in that back matter that I don't know that that just it it, it gives weight to the existence of both stories together and intertwined in a way that, that just it just really works. I wonder, um, about even when you were starting out, when you were selecting, Cecilia's life as your muse, as it were, if you had a kid in mind or a reader in mind, or maybe, maybe you were just looking inward and this was sort of speaking to, to child And I don't know, but I wonder about, um, sort of who or what kind of kid was on your mind as you were making this book?
1: So, um, just for a little bit of, um, background, I used to work at NASA. And I, um, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a scientist. Um, I worked in public relations. So one of my jobs was to communicate with the news media and with the general public about NASA and all the really cool science um, and discoveries that NASA makes. Um, so I've kind of always been um, a, STEM, you know, a STEM advocate, a STEM enthusiast uh, my entire life. And so I think, you know, part of it for me is I want young readers to realize and to see themselves as potential future scientists and engineers. And so I want them to realize um, that it is about being curious. It's about persevering that it's expected that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail and that that's okay. And that, you know, you, that there is a place for everybody, um, in science and technology and engineering. So, you know, I think, you know, that's who I'm writing to is that I, I want kids to realize like, Oh, you know, I don't have to be brilliant on the level of Einstein that there, there is a place for all of us. Right. And, and it's okay. If this stuff is hard. Um, and so, you know, and I think also, you know, I'm also writing to myself. I mean, I, I was fascinated by physics, um, in early, uh, early high school. Um, you know, I, I let myself, uh, decide that math was hard uh, when I hit calculus. And, you know, I think um, maybe I would have gone down a different path as well if I had realized that it's okay that it's hard, you know, and that we just, you know, you just persevere and that, that you can do it.
0: I love the, the, the thought around something being hard as also just being a point of well, you're just wrestling with an unknown. It's unknown for you, perhaps, but that's that's what science is. It's all wrestling with unknowns. Um the thought that as you're as you're up against those those challenge points, that that's that's right where you're supposed to be. What is this? Someone had told me one time that it's like process over progress, that we 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 grow in the process, or you don't just go through it, grow through it. I think it was a coach that I had worked with, but the same same type of person that that really had that growth mindset of of uh, all of it is important. Um, there's so much I could I could I, I won't. I could ask you just to sit here and read the entire book for us. I won't. <laughs> but is there an excerpt from the Fire of Stars, maybe that you're already sharing with kids, or just one that speaks to you that you wouldn't mind sharing with all of us i'll put some nice music underneath it but you probably want to describe some um some of the beautiful art that uh catherine has made too because the people listening won't see it i could i I could look for the art um but um we're not recording video, so i'll uh write to chronicle or something and see if i can grab some uh stills from whatever you share Sure, sure,
1: Um. so I love the, I love the opening, so we'll, you know, we can, I can read a little bit and then we can talk about the spreads and then, you know, we'll just keep going, see how it goes. Wrapped in a blanket of sparkling space, an unformed star waits for its bright future to begin. Cecilia kicks and cries until her mother sets her down so Cecilia can feel with her own tiny toes the cold and crackly snow, which isn't soft and warm like she expected. It's the first time Cecilia learns things aren't always as they seem. And so um, the cool thing about this particular book is um, on every single two-page spread, there are two different stories going on. So there's the star story. So in this particular spread, we kind of see what looks like maybe the the empty vacuum of space or what we probably think is the empty vacuum of space. And then we see um, Cecilia and her mom in the snow. She's probably about three or four and she's got her bare feet and she's she's sticking her feet um, in the snow and she has a, a great story in her autobiography about but essentially you know she thought it was going to be really warm and soft and cozy the snow you know just looking at it it seemed like it was going to be like cotton balls or something Um, and then when she you know touched it she realized oh no (laughs) it's not my hypothesis was wrong (laughs) um and so the next spread in a cloud of dust and dirt Cecilia spends hours watching slimy slugs glide through the garden and making friends with trees and flowers. So again we're starting to sort of get this picture that maybe there's more to space than um than we first imagined and so um, Catherine's kind of included this sort of cloudy um cloudy look to everything so we kind of are getting the sense that maybe there's more there than we first thought and then we see um cecilia as a young girl you know down on the ground with her magnifying glass um and then she's up in the tree and you can tell like she's really delighting um in the natural world around her in the english um, countryside where she was born
0: i um I I love just the, and I guess it just sort of must, it must be your voice, but I love just sort of the, um, I don't know, the like gentle, it feels like you've captured Cecilia's personality in the voice of the book. I'm having a hard time articulating, maybe I am articulating it the correct way, Um, but there's just, there's just a movement forward to the growth, to the persistence of Celia, to um for every individual that that perhaps stood in her way. I'm thinking about the teachers in her life, how there's this one teacher that is so wonderful. She stays in contact with this one teacher, despite these other ones going, no no no, let's let's stay in this box. And then she meets another individual that says, wait, astrophysics is a thing. And anyway, your your text just propels and it's it's really lovely. Um I also love just for you and I to have an aside, that Catherine's art differentiating between the stars and and the biography, as it were, in that way, is just so different. She's got such wonderful loose lines uh in in her depiction of Cecilia, where the the sky lacks all of that. It's all blended, it's all dots and color blends, and it's yeah anyway it's just a really it's a really well executed book cover to cover y'all did a really nice job well (laughs) i was to say it's a good book i really (laughs) like it i i I, part of my brain even earlier was like well i know kirsten said this was hard to do but i wonder if we cheer her on enough if she'll just do like three more exactly like this Talk to Melissa Manlove. <laughs> talk to, oh, talk to Melissa. Okay, <laughs> I don't know that Melissa and I have had direct contact before, but I'll let her know.
1: that. I'm I... teasing. You, you oh, convince her. Sign
0: me up. Sign me up. No. No, it's just um, picture books are magic when, when they work in that just right way, sort of not unlike the topic of your book. It's just magic when things happen in just the right way, and I feel that with the Fire of Stars. It just feels, it just feels like magic. And so I'm glad that, I'm glad that Darshna was like, well, here's some other people that got some books coming out. And I'm <laughs> glad that just because of that random email that she sent, um, it set us on the path to talk because um, this this was one that really uh, felt like one that uh, I was really grateful to read and really grateful to share with my students. So just wanted to share that with you. That's just for us. Just wanted to share that with you though. <laughs> You're so sweet. Um, um,
1: well, I was go gonna ahead. say, yeah. so real real quick. So, you know, talking about the the lyrical voice, I mean, I think when you step back and you think about the wonder of nature or the mysteries of the universe, I mean, these are really big, big ideas that really make us as humans, you know, feel almost infinitesimal. Um, and I mean, it's really, for me, like it really had to have um, a poetic voice because it's just, to think about space and how everything has been formed. It's really just such an awesome idea that to me um, it really required a lyrical, a lyrical voice.
0: Well, good on you. Great execution. It's beautiful. Was there anything else that we didn't talk about that we should, I feel like you, oh, uh, you really you said, walked me through some great stuff, but what else? What else? Go ahead.
1: Oh, oh, um, so in terms of um, you know what type of reader I I would um, wanted to see with this book, um, I think one thing I really like is that it sort of blended nonfiction. So it um, Melissa Stewart writes a lot about this but it's kind of cool because it can appeal to kids who are interested in information and facts um which is the type of kids that my kids were you know they love to go to the non-fiction shelves at the library and just read um about weather and space and and all of that um, so it can because it can be read on two levels it appeals to kids who are reading just for factual information about stars but also um, kids who like life stories and can, and it can kind of be a a gateway for kids who may not be sure if they like life stories and narratives, but you know, it can um, appeal to them. So I I like that it can, it can appeal to different types of kids with different interests when it comes to nonfiction.
0: Yeah. I think that that is maybe part of what I was really, what's really resonating with me too, is that it just feels accessible in that way that that it's story uh, telling nonfiction that we all, we all connect with story and um, whether that's the story of the birth of a star or the story of an individual, um, there's a connection there. Um, and all readers are welcome, obviously, to connect with whatever books they, they'd they like, but this is, this is doing. So there'll be Melissa, um, not Melissa, Heather Montgomery has mm-hmm. a picture book on our state book award uh, this year called uh, what's in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And that very similar sort of feels in that voice like she is just kind of leaning over talking to kids. Hey, what's in your pocket? What's that thing? And then it sort of just feels like the, oh yeah, by the way, here's here's this person that discovered this thing. That also I find that, that I guess, big picture, you and I are both talking about voice, the thinking about what does this voice sound like when read to a classroom of 25 kids? How do we find a way to pull every kid in uh, I think is a special challenge. It's a very teachery thing to do. Uh, you do it very well. Um, speaking of those kids, uh, Kirsten, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning, every day. Uh, is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I mean, bring to all children, but also to my children.
1: Um, I think achieving um, any new idea is um, challenging whether you're talking about discovering what makes the stars or you're talking about trying a new piece of art or you know crafting a new piece of writing achieving something new is always difficult and so I always like to remain curious and um just tap into my creativity. And so I think just remembering to to harness your creativity, to delight in it, and to stay curious whenever you're trying something new is really important.
0: Thank you to Kirsten for joining me on the Children's Book Podcast. You can pick up your own copy of The Fire of Stars, The Life and Brilliance of the Woman Who Discovered What Stars Are Made Of wherever books are found consider supporting independent bookstores by shopping through bookshop.org you can also use my affiliate link by clicking on the book's name in our show notes our podcast logo was created by duke stebbins our music is by Poddington bear podcast hosting by libsyn you can support the show and buy me a coffee at matthewcwinner.com Don't forget to check out the Reading Culture podcast with Jordan Bookie from Beanstack if you're a fellow teacher or librarian. It's the perfect podcast to explore building a stronger culture of reading in our communities. It's available wherever podcasts are found, and I am a regular listener. And on that note, be well and read on.